Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel, which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness. Stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. 
you will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to a special Wednesday night edition of the Mississippi Nation. As this, as we end May, uh, you know, this past weekend was Memorial Day. We said their names so their their memories would be uh, remembered forever and their, their memories stay alive. And then I was given a message yesterday from my brother George that he met someone that needs to be on my show, and I jumped at the opportunity. I didn't want to take her away from the Cardinals game last night, but tonight is the night I get her to come on and talk. And uh, share the story of her son, Specialist Jackson Johnson. So without further ado, let's welcome April Johnson, proud Gold Star mother of Specialist Jackson Johnson. Welcome, April. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks again for uh, agreeing to come on this quickly and uh, also for enjoying your Cardinals game last night. Yes. <laughs> and it was a winner too <laughs> see that's good and i think they're i think they're doing pretty well this season so far so you should you should be happy i think this is a cardinals fan office always talks about them i try to blank them out but i can't can't help but hear that they're winning so <laughs> yes they are winning <laughs> and i i found ironic that the picture you sent me was the one i found online and scanned and put on here so it, it's kind of kind of ironic that it's the one i picked as well as the one you sent me so i put it on before you even sent it to me so that's pretty cool so let's get to the meat and potatoes, April. Let's tell us a little bit about Jackson before he joined the military. Um, well, he was just growing up. He was into everything. Your typical boy. <laughs> um, I, am, I am technically his, what you would call stepmother. I've came into his life when he was three um, and helped raised him since then. Um, but he, he was just a lovable kid. Anybody would fall in love with him. And every time they'd see him, um, he was always a jokester, wanted to play jokes on you. He loved to make you smile, didn't like to be sad. As he, you know, he, he originally wanted to be a gamer. He would all games, all video games. And then as he got older, he started to get more serious and he started asking questions about the military. And so when he was about 14, he came to his dad and was talking about the military. And his dad said, well, how about you talk to your family members that have been in the military, ask them questions, whatever you'd like to know, ask them questions. I'm sure they'll, they'll talk to you about it, you know, and then when you get older, we'll discuss it more. And that's what he did. And he was your typical teenager, staring up trouble, ladies, <laughs> a ladies man all the time. Um, but he, he had a heart of gold, always helped anybody that he could. When he saw a veteran, he'd make sure to stop and shake their hand and tell them, thank you. Outstanding. Yeah. He, he was he made all of his parents very proud. <laughs> I bet he said it sounds like he was a typical boy. Like you said, uh, I'm sure he, he came home with some bumps and bruises sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, boys Catch, do. Catching things on fire, breaking things, you know, yeah. dirty, dirty room, dirty clothes, you know, your typical teenage boy stuff. <laughs> Things catch on fire on accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, I gotta see if this catches on fire too. <laughs> you know. Did he have any other any siblings as well, or just him? He does. He has um, two sisters. Um, one's a little bit closer to his age, and then our daughter that lives with us. She she was his whole world. Um, and he was his her whole world. She was um, only eleven years old when he passed away. Oh wow. And she's fixing to turn 16. And these last four years have been really, really hard on her. Wow. I'm sure it's hard to understand, especially at 11 years old. Uh, correct. And she's a little bit special. Her, um, She's a little bit delayed. So her brain is just still processing, you know, my brother didn't come home. You know, does my brother still love me? Am I the reason my brother didn't come home? Does he not like me no more? Kind of questions. Those aren't questions anyone wants to have to deal with, especially when it's a tragic tragedy like uh, what happened with uh, Jackson. Right. 
Correct. Um, so, and yeah, so it, it, it's really hard on all of his family and friends, but I think she's took it really, really the worst with her not being able to comprehend everything. I'm sure. And, and I'm sure that's, it makes it even harder on you guys as well to try to bring her up to speed on that. And uh, I guess make her understand, have help her to understand, not make her understand, help her to understand. Correct. Correct. It, and it has, and she has fought um, depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, she's tried to commit suicide twice in the last four years. Wow. Because of this. And are you getting help through uh, Gold Star Foundations or TAPS? She does have um, counseling going on for her, um, as well as a, a regular psychiatrist, MD, um, that's helping her as well. And we try to attend TAPS as much as we can. Unfortunately, they're nowhere as close to us when we can go. <laughs> True. Yeah. So. Your, your closest thing, I think, is with, is Scott Air Force Base, right? Or, or Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah, or Fort Leonard Wood is, is close to. So, um, but yeah, and then. When Jackson got, you know, 15 years old, he told his dad, he's like, okay, I'm ready to be serious about the military. 15. Um, 15. <laughs> 15. And his dad said, okay, what I'll do is I'll take you around to every recruiter's office there is for every branch. You get all the literature you want, ask all the questions, and then, you know, see where you go from there. And then uh, we moved from Tennessee to here, to Missouri in 2015. Okay. And he was at the age of 16. And a couple months later, uh, almost a year later, he, he came to us, came to me and goes, Mom, can you take me to town? Okay. So we go to town, you know, our typical date, mom, son, time together, go to town, go shopping, whatever. And he wanted me to pull into the recruiter's office. And it was the Army recruiter's office. And my heart just dropped. <laughs> and we went in and he looked at me he, and he introduced me to the recruiter. He's like, I'm ready to sign. I'm ready to, de to devote. I, you know, he had been talking to the recruiter at the high school and we didn't know it. Uh, so <laughs> you at this time. Yeah. So, you know, and so we sat there and I watched this, this teenager that in this young kid that went from playing with knives and catching things on fire to <laughs> becoming this man, this young man in front of me, you know, ready to commit to something and be serious. It was just like his whole life just flashed in front of me. And, you know, I'm like, I just kind of looked at him. I just couldn't talk. <laughs> you had your speechless then too, see? <laughs> yeah, you know, he's speechless enough. But at the recruiter's office, I really couldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just do? You you walked me into this. So. Yeah, he just kind of put me on the spot, you know. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so now you have to sign this for me. <laughs> well, you know, and maybe not a biological parent. I wasn't allowed to sign. Okay. So the next step was to get his dad. So I said, okay, we'll go home. We'll have supper. And then you can break it to your dad. <laughs> you know? You're not going to do him like you did me. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, and him and I talked all the way home. I'm like, are you really, really sure? Is this absolutely what you want to do? You know, because we talked about everything. He, you know, I was his mom, but I was off. He was also my best friend. You know, we talked about everything. And he's like, yeah. This is what I really, really want to do. I want to protect my country. I want to serve. I want to make something of myself. And because I've always, we've always taught him, you know, don't do what we did. Be better than us. Want more for yourself. Be better than anybody. And, and that's what he was aiming for. He wanted to make something of himself and make a better life for himself. But most importantly, he wanted to serve his country. Both, both of those things are outstanding uh, attributes to have to, for you guys to to lay that into it to be better than what you guys did yeah. and then be more successful in your eyes or in his eyes. Right. And then also for him to look back and talk to family members and still want to join the military after whatever mm -hmm. they said about the military to him. Yeah. I mean, he talked to uncles and cousins and grandparents, you know, he talked, he went down the line and talked to every branch that he could find in the family. Wow. <laughs> this is what he wanted. He he was set on, you know, the army and of course, him only being, you know, the age that he was, he couldn't be actually in, become full army yet. Um, so he had to go into army reserves. But we had got home that night and I, we, we ate supper and I told the other kids, um, my, our daughter and I raised my little brother. Um, so him and Jackson grew up as 
brothers instead of uncle and nephew. <laughs> um, but I told them, I said, okay, you guys need to go away. We got to have a meeting. And he threw out a paper and he just threw it at his dad. He said, here, I need you to sign this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and his dad looked at me. I'm like, it's between you two right now. <laughs> you know? You ambushed me once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he looked at his at Jackson and he's like, are you sure this is really what you want to do? He's like, yep. I've thought about it. I've talked about it. Mom, at the recruiter, you know, and he's like, okay. And didn't hesitate anymore. And he signed the paper. Yeah. Wow. And from there on his journey began, he did um, the future soldier training after school, or, you know, during the week and the summer of, and it's ironic because today is exactly seven years that he left for basic training to go to Fort Leonard Wood. Oh, wow. Exactly seven years today, he left for basic training. Wow. So um, he did a split. He went to basic training and then um, he came back and did his senior year of high school and then he went to AIT. Did you AIT at uh, Leonard Wood as well? No, he did in Virginia. In Virginia, okay, Fort Lee. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So what year was that? Uh, 2017. He went, to, he went to basic training in 2016 and AIT in 2017. Okay. Late entry programs, split entry for high schoolers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they still did that. I guess. They yeah, do. they do. They still do it. A lot of yeah. kids are doing it nowadays. It's a it's a smart move for a lot of them because it yeah. gives them an option to, for the military to pay for their college if they like him went in reserves, and then uh, or National Guard too. National Guard, if you're in the state, the state they'll they'll pay for state college. Mm -hmm. It's a great uh, great way to serve right there and get the double dip. Yes, so you get school right. Right. It sure is. And, you know, he had a, he had a goal. He had it set what he wanted to do. And, you know, as parents, you support them and love them. You worry about them, but you support and love them because watching this young kid going from being unmunctious and rowdy to wanting to have goals and commit is just it was a 360 with him. <laughs> And especially it's junior in high school, and you know, at that point, you think he's right, he's already set in this way of being the fire starter or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he was actually taking showers and combing his hair. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I was used to getting texts like saying he fell down the stairs at school, but he wasn't worried about himself, he was worried about his uh Pokemon cards or you know, whatever cards he magic cards he had in his backpack scattering all over the backpack. You know, and then I go from, you know, oh, don't forget, I got to be at drill or I got to have my uniform pressed or, you know, and I'm like, it's, it's totally different world. And was his reserve unit in Missouri as well? It was not. It originally started at Belleville, Illinois, okay. and then they moved to Mount Vernon. Okay. Yeah. So the unit that he was with was out of Belleville, but they all moved to Mount Vernon. So still, that's a pretty good ride for a drill. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, sometimes my husband would go up there and take him and he would just stay the weekend too. So that way he'd keep him on to drive back and forth. Um, other times, you know, if I wasn't taking him and back and forth, some of his sergeants that live closer to us would, you know, help out with getting him, you know, as close as they could to us. So it, he had a really, really great units that up in Mount Vernon. What was the unit number or name? Uh, the one that he was deployed with was 657. Six fifty seven transportation company. Yep, transportation. So Army Reserve six fifty seven transportation company. And what year did he deploy? He deployed of October of twenty eighteen. Okay. So he went to AIT in twenty seventeen. He came home, did drills, finished out his year of high school, um, graduated that, and then um, continued to do drills. Worked a full time job at Walmart. Loved it. Um, and everybody loves him at Walmart as well. <laughs> um, and we, we got stories, you know, of drill weekends, you know, that he would get grounded from his knife because he'd be playing with his pocket knife on drill weekend and they'd get on to him. You're going to cut yourself, Johnson. Don't do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and five minutes later, he, they take it away because he's cut himself. You know? <laughs> so I'd get texts from drill. Mom, I got grounded from my knife. <laughs> I said, well, was you playing with it? Yeah. Well, no wonder. 
So you're in the back of your mind, like surprised? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, but you know, I always talk to him. I said, you know, I love you. When I get up at three o'clock in the morning to drive you to drill, <laughs> you know, yeah. two hours away. <laughs> it's a good ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy road at times. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. You know, and sometimes they had to meet at Scott Air Force Base to do PT. So, okay. you know, you know, I tell him, you know, it's, it's it's really too early to be driving through the base right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so closer. <laughs> yeah. And he just wasn't ready to get his license at the time. So, you know, we we didn't want to push him to get him until he was ready. He got a permit, but he just wasn't really ready to get that driver's license yet. He didn't want to, you know, he was just so anxious. So we didn't push him to get it. So we were, that's why we were taking him back and forth. <laughs> and what was his MOS? Uh, it was, um, I know it was transportation. God, it's been years since I've had to think of his MOS. <laughs> I do apologize. You say he didn't want to get his license, but he's in a transportation. I know. Somewhere. Isn't that ironic? He didn't want to get his, his license, but he's in transportation. He actually got his license two weeks before they deployed in 2018. Oh my. And I told him, I said, Jackson, you're getting ready to deploy, son. You're in a transportation unit. You need your driver's license. <laughs> so and I mean he had went like before, but he was so nervous he failed it. Right. So, you know, and then we had to wait again to go take it again. So finally, two weeks before he, he deployed, I took I told him, I said, You got one more try to get this before you deploy. And finally he passed <laughs> and he got it. Just wow. in the nick of time. Golly. <laughs> yeah. So on edge all the time. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, your typical boy waiting to the last minute and, you know, putting it off, putting it off. But yeah, so he finally got it. It was, I always said it was funny. You're in a transportation unit, but you don't get your driver's license. You can't drive a car. He's in a transportation unit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he, and then, you know, summer of, 2018 he came to us and he said mom dad we need to talk I'm like okay what's wrong what who'd you get pregnant you know what's going on you know? <laughs> don't make us grandparents yet um and he said no he's like i'm deploying and we're like what you know and he's like well first off i'm tra i'm transferring units so i can deploy and your his dad looked at him and goes are you volunteering he's like yep he volunteered to deploy. Wow. And I, I looked at him and said, why? Just why? Why now are you volunteering? You can't wait. <laughs> and he, his word, his exact words were, I either go now or I go later. I'd rather go now and serve my country and get it done. If I have to go later, I will. But I'd rather go and, you know, serve my country. That's what I signed up for. Wow. So I was going to ask you, was he anxious about the deployment? But obviously he was and he was embracing it. As it got as it got closer, he got more anxious. Okay. You know, as him and I would go through the checklist, you got this, do you, you know, let's go get your passport. Let's go, you know, make sure we got all of your ducks in a row with your ID, you know, make sure it's renewed, all that good stuff. You know, the more we went through that checklist, the more he got anxious. The more it seemed it was real. Yeah. You know, and and his dad and him were so close that, you know, his dad dad would get more emotional as it got closer, you know, to where I could hold it more to where his dad couldn't show, would show the emotion more as right. it got closer. So I was the one to go, you know, let's go down this checklist. Let's make sure you have everything in order. You know, let's do the tough questions. What do you want if something happens to you, God forbid, and you don't make it home? You know, I was the one that said, okay, let's talk about this. You know, we have to talk about this. Right. You know, we have to know what you want. It's not about us. It's about you. At his age, that's not something you think about. You think you have to think about. but No, and no parent should have to bury their child. It should be the other way around. The child should be burying the parent. Exactly. You know, but I've been through, you know, I, I've been around military people and families that I knew we needed to have that conversation, you know, because it, it's not, it's not about us. It's about what they want they served our country so what do you want if something happens to you what do you want us to do for you so and then that's what we did so from then on i planned two deployment parties for him 
<laughs> you know, we went we went to Tennessee where we're originally from, where he was born, and we threw a party down there. And you know, friends and family got to see him there. And then three days before he deployed up here in Missouri, we threw another deployment party for all of his friends up here and family. Oh wow! So you yeah. got partied up to go. <laughs> yeah, I made sure that just in case that happened, we had our ducks in a row, and nobody went without saying, you know. We didn't get to say goodbye. We didn't get to see him. You know, everyone had the chance, so that's good. right. And if they didn't show, that's on them. At least right. you, I, we knew that they had that chance to say goodbye. Definitely. So as he uh, got on the bird to, to fly over, uh, I guess he moved out of well, either Fort Bliss or something like that. Mm -hmm. Go, yeah. So, so you didn't get to see him probably the last what thirty days before he left or something. No, um, he actually left our house on October third. And I kept ask, asking him, you know, when's the ceremony when you, when you guys are actually leaving Mount Vernon? You know, we want to be there. Who's your FRG? Who's your contact person? So I have that information. And he kept telling me, you know, mom, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. You know, I haven't been told anything yet. And then finally, a week before, he's like, mom, okay, I know. I've gave them your email, your phone number, your work number, everything they need but I don't want you guys at the ceremony. I don't want you there when we pull out. And I start crying. I'm like, why? You know, <laughs> we want to be there. And right. he's like, no, because it's going to make it harder for me to leave. Um, you know, if I see you dad and my baby sister standing there, it's going to be harder for me to leave, you know? And I'm like, you know, we'll respect your wishes. You know, what can you, I, I didn't want to force him. Cause he didn't need all that stress on him. Right. You, know, you don't want your kid to leave going across the country, you know, and be stressful and, you know, upset. So all we could do is, re you know, respect his wishes. Definitely. You know, so he got up this that morning and he woke his baby sister up, gave her the biggest hug. And I have a picture of their very last hug together as he, before he walked out the door. And, um, he, you know, I said my goodbye and his dad drove him to Mount Vernon that morning and spent the last two hours with him. He could, you know, and then his dad, you know, took a picture of him standing inside the armory before he left him. So at least you had those, uh, those tiny memories, I guess there too. So yeah. they become big memories now, but at that yeah. time, I they were tiny memories. But yeah. And you know, I, I tell my husband all the time, I said, I'm so glad I snapped that picture of them hugging for the, you know, what before he left because that was her very last hug from her brother. Yeah. And that's something she can have forever. Yeah. She, what she understands. Yeah. Yeah. And I even made sure like a week before he left, we even took, no, two days before he left, we took family pictures. Okay. So I, I even made sure we had family pictures made before he left. So so you're really thinking forward. I was, I was like, again, I had been around a couple of military families growing up. So I, I knew what, you know, they did to make sure that they had everything in order. Right. So they took off and, uh, when he first got in country, how was that call home? Uh, it was very, very emotional because you know, that you can't hear from him for hours, days, you know? Right. Um, and it's just like, okay, I'm just waiting patiently. I want that address. I want to be able to write him. I want to be able to send him something. I want to know he's okay. And, you know, we had set it up to where he would Facebook message us when he wants to call, unless he was calling his grandparents that don't use social media, you know. And um, we videotape, you know, video chatted all the time as much as we could. Um I, sometimes be, you know, working, I would sleep through his messages, but I love waking up every morning and seeing, you know, all these goofy messages, big old long messages or silly pictures or, you know, selfies. You know, if I slept through it, he would send me stuff. And I just, I miss waking up and seeing those. I'm sure you saved him though. Oh yes, I yeah. did. You know, cause he always had this thing off of, you know, like family guy where they say, mom, mom, mommy, mama. He would send me that all the time. If I didn't answer him, he would, I would wake up to mom, 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 mama, mommy, mommy, you know, little, little, little. Um, so it's just, it, I, I miss just getting those goofy little things like that. Wow. And then, uh, so he was there how many months before the incident? He deployed in October and they arrived in Kuwait in November and he was killed in March. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And he would tell his dad, and he's like, you know, I can't talk about it. He's like, but if you want to know what's going on, just watch CNN, watch the news. And we're like, no, we don't, we don't really want to know. Just, you know, we just want to know you're okay. Right. You know, as long as we know you're okay, that's all that matters to us. <laughs> you know. It's one thing uh, we used to. I told my family not to watch news while I was away. So. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't tell me to watch the news, but he would tell his dad. <laughs> he knew better to tell me because I'd automatically say, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> you know. I'm not watching the news. Just make me worry about you even more. You know, but um, I even have videos where he sent video messages to his little sister, you know, like at New Year's, we have his video where he sent her a New Year's video saying, you know, Happy New Year's, kid. I love you. I'm doing okay. You know, I'm blowing her kisses. You know. Wow. Yeah. So when you, uh, what was the last conversation you had with him? We were talking about vehicles because mine and his goal while he was gone was I was going to, we were putting back a little bit of his money as he got paid and the goal was I was going to buy him a truck so he'd have a vehicle when he got home. And so we were talking about vehicles and what kind of truck he wanted. And I had found one that he, he liked. Um, so we were talking, you know, I was telling him I was going to go test drive it, you know, see, you know, see what the final price is, stuff like that and see what I could do. And it was at least a few hours long, you know, cause he was nice chef. So sometimes he would have to sit there and do paperwork. So we would talk while he was doing paperwork, you know, um, just to, to have that catch up time. Right. You know, but it, it was just talking about vehicles, you know, cause I knew that they were supposed to come home in August. So, you know, we're already on March. So I'm trying to get him a vehicle and have it ready to go for when he gets home. Cause his goal was he was working towards to be in a sergeant, you know, he was doing his classes. He was going to come back and do finish out his classes and be a, become a sergeant. Um, and then he wanted to go to college. Um, so, our goal was to, you know, to get him that vehicle so that way he could do all those goals he's got for himself when he comes back home. And drive himself to drill. Yeah, and drive himself to drill. Exactly. Well, there was two that he was going to move that way. He was even looking at apartments getting closer that way. Okay. Wow. So, you know, we even had that conversation, you know, mom, I really would like to move closer to drill, you know, that would help me move up and rank, you know, and train and do whatever I need to do. So I was like, okay, you know, instead of you going off to college, I'm going to send you off to get closer to, you know, your military stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was your last good conversation with him. Then uh, when did you get the notification? How did that go? On March 5th, 2019, I woke up, didn't have no message. And I told my husband that morning as both of us are getting ready for work. And I sent my daughter off to school. I said, something's not right. I said, Jackson always always sends me a message at night if i don't talk to him he sends me a message or if i do talk to him he sends me a message i always have a message when i get up for work i, said, I don't have a message this morning i said something's not right i said i don't know if maybe he just had a night off and he slept or he just got really busy you know i don't know but i just feel like something's not right he, he you know he just kept telling me well yeah but he's just got busy you know he'll message you later and at the time, I was a manager for a tax company, and I was always telling my clients, you know, I'm sorry, my ringer's on, but my my son's deployed, so I have to have my ringer on because if he calls, I'm going to stop and answer it, you know. And all my clients were always, you know, please do, you know, whatever. Um, but that morning, it was slow, and my husband called me, and he's like, you need to come get me from work right now. I'm like, why? Are you sick? What's wrong? You know? <laughs> he's like, just come get me. I need you here right now. Come get me from work. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way, but you need to tell me what's going on. And he's like, no, I'll tell you when you get here. And I'm like, no, you're going to tell me on my way. Otherwise, I'm going to panic. And he's like, one of the kids just called. And so we have military people at our house. And I said, no way. And he's like, yeah, we have military people at our house. We need to get home right now. So we lived at least a good 45 minute drive from home. And or not live, but worked. And I flew, I flew as fast as I could to get his home. And all the way home, I called his phone, went straight to voicemail. I called him through Facebook Messenger, nothing. I was blowing up his messages, his texts, nothing. I told I told my husband, I said, something's wrong. I just know it in my heart. My gut tells me something's wrong. Either he's hurt or it's bad. I said, he 
he would have answered or at least sent a message back. Something's wrong. And we got home and sure enough, and he kept thinking that Jackson's just pulling one of his jokes. Maybe he got to come home early and he's just playing a joke, you know, trying to surprise us. Um, and he was trying to think positive about the situation, you know, because um, everybody knows military people show up at your house. There's something wrong. Um, and so we got home and the chaplain and the lieutenant was sitting out in their car waiting for us to get there. And all they could tell us is, can we go inside and sit down? And my husband's like, no, just tell us what's And they're like, no, Mr. Johnson, we have to go inside and sit down and talk. And we sat down and they went through their spiel that they're supposed to do, you know, and both of us just lost it. And my husband's like, I want to go get my son right now. Where's my son? I want him right now. You know, of course, you know, <laughs> that's not how capable he's still in Kuwait, you know, um, but it was, and we had some of my son's best friends living in the home. I took in, as I call, as I call, I took in a bunch of strays off the street. <laughs> um, Cause I had a bunch of boys living at my house that were best friends with my brother and my son um, that I took in to raise too. And one of them was there that was Jackson's best friend and he was half awake. And when he came through the hall and saw military there and he just turned a shade of, you know, whole white and he looked at me, he's like, mom, I said, just go back to the bedroom. I'll talk to you in a minute, you know, because um, we wasn't ready to tell them because they we had to finish going through whatever they needed from us and whatever they had to say to us. And, it, you know, first thing my husband thought of our daughter, Renee, I want to go get her. Look, I'm going to get her from school, you know, and we me and the chaplain both go, are you sure you want to do that right now? You don't want to, you know, pull yourself together first. And he's like, no, I want my daughter. I've got to go get her from school right now. And that's what he did. I, you know, I stayed at home with the chaplain and he went to school and checked her out and brought her home. And the chaplain stayed with us. And so we could tell our daughter, you know, why he was there, you know, and telling 11 year old girl that her best friend, you know, is not coming home. That was the hardest thing ever. It's a horrible thing to have to do, but the hardest thing was probably hearing the words from the chaplain. Yeah, it, it was. It was. We, you know, we lost it and, yeah. you know, we lost it and it just, we kind of pulled ourselves together and we went in survivor mode, you know, what do we got to do? What's, what's next? You know, who do we tell? Who do we call? You know, right. when can we see him? When can we have him home? kind of thing do we meet him in dover do we wait to come here yeah yeah you know um what really happened you know we didn't know all the details we just knew at this time here on the you know that he was killed in a motor vehicle accident um they were on a mission him and two of our sergeants were on a mission and they were on their way back from that mission coming back to the camp when a water truck struck their vehicle and it killed one sergeant Injured another one. Um, he's got a brain injury and killed my our son. Wow. So yeah, and of course, you know, the driver of the, the water truck walked away with nothing. Of course. Yeah. It's usually how that goes. Yeah. Especially where he was. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was told that when I when I finally got to meet the sergeant that um survived. We met face. I had talked to him a few times over the phone, and when we finally got to meet in person, he's like, "It just came out of nowhere." We, you know, all of a sudden we had this water truck coming at us. You know, it just happened so fast that the other sergeant didn't have time to react, and next thing they know, you know, they're crashed. Wow. Yeah. Then you got the whole story, so you got that yeah. everything that happened from the, the lone survivor, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and here and there, bits and pieces from different uh, soldiers that were over there with him, that deployed with him. You know, we get bits and pieces, you know, well, it was this person's mission, you know. It, it, things weren't adding up. Things were odd that day already, you know. <laughs> and it helps hearing those little things. So that way it kind of helps us understand what he was going, what he was, his steps, footsteps were that day. You know, right. so that way we can try to figure out, you know, what he was doing that day when it happened. Um, cause we didn't, you know, when they first come tell you, they don't tell you that another person was killed with them cause they're not allowed to. 
we didn't even know that the other sergeant was killed until that night when her husband reached out to me on Facebook and told me, you know, <laughs> he knew, but we didn't because he was closer to the mil to the soldiers than we were because, you know, her being a sergeant. Um, so she was probably in that unit longer. So, right. Exactly. So he knew that, you know, who was in the car with him, with her, you know, so he reached out to me on Facebook and that's when we connected that night. You know, and that's when we learned that she had passed away, too. So, yeah, it was, and, you know, and from there it went from, you know, OK, we're setting you a plane tickets, you know, to go to Dover. To, you, you'll meet his body in Dover when he comes back to the States, you know. And, you know, me, my husband, my daughter went, his biological mom and her daughter went. Um, and we all met in Dover to watch him return with the other sergeant with a sergeant. So it was, it was a very emotional, emotional trip. You know, we have never faced anything like this before. And I really didn't think we were going to make it through it, you know, and some things are still a blur because things are moving so fast and we were grieving so much that oh, some things are still a blur. What actually did happen, you know, or what was said, you know, but then there's little things that pop out to you, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, that happened. And we were so grateful it happened, you know. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm sure the next trip, the next leg of the trip back to where you were going to do the burial or his service as he decided. I'm sure that was not a great trip either. No, it wasn't. Um, when we got to Dover, um, those people at the Fisher house, the soldiers, they were most amazing soldiers I've seen. They got these men soldiers got down on the floor and was playing dolls and coloring with my 11 year old. And I'm just like, you know, just so that I would have a break and I could breathe while I was there. You know, it was just amazing watching all these soldiers just surround her and be with her so I could have a break. You know, they cooked or something. They fixed her food. Um, they were just amazing at Fisher House. And when it came time to go to the airstrip, you know, General Lucky came in to greet us and talk to each one of us. And she was sitting in a chair by herself and General Lucky got down on one knee and whispered and held her hand and talked one on one with her. And that right there said a million words to us watching, you know, her get what she needed at that time. You know, and he ended up giving her a hug, you know, and just whispering and talking to her and consoling her. So, yeah. And when it came time the next day, you know, to come home, my husband's like, I can't do it. I'm staying. I'm not coming home. And I'm like, no, you have to come home. He's got to stay another seven to 10 days. You know, we, ha we have to go home. And he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay in Dover and wait, come back with his body. And it took all of us to convince him he had to come home. Right. You know, he didn't want to leave him. Um, so we had to wait our 10 days, you know, for him to come back to St. Louis before we could even have his funeral. So you did have it in Missouri. We did. He is buried at Jefferson National uh, Cemetery. Right. Jefferson Barracks. Yeah. Yep. That's where he had told us he wanted to be. He, you know, we, cause we asked when I had that talk with him, you know, do you want to go back home to Tennessee? Do you want, you know, where do you want to be? And right. he told us, you know, I want to be in, with my brothers and sister in arms. I want to be in the National Cemetery. And we're like, gotcha. You know, we'll make sure that happens. And that's what we did. We made sure he went to Jefferson Barracks. And Lisa, now you can go and sit with him and not have to yes. go somewhere else. So. Yes. I was I was relieved when he said that he wanted to be in Jefferson Barracks. I'm like, you know, I'll drive as much as I have to to come visit wherever you're at. But when he said, you know, it's, it's the it's not a place that any soldier wants to say they want to go, but to him, it was an honor to be with them. Right. And it's, it, you know, he, he deserved that honor. You know, he might've not been killed in combat, but he was still killed. He's still a soldier. He still served his country. Right. You know, so he deserves to be honored there. Yeah. I had this talk with uh, someone the other day and uh, we're talking about uh, one of my good buddies from uh, back home. 
we both served in the reserves together before I went active duty. And he had that talk with his family about where to, where to bury him now. And so he's going to get buried in a veteran cemetery in uh, North Carolina. I told him that's where I would have been buried. I would have been buried in a veteran cemetery if I died while serving. Mm-hmm. So after I came home, I just wanted to be cremated and thrown in the place I felt whole again. So right. that's what that's what my wife's marching orders are when that happens to me. That's what I've told my husband and my kids. You know, when I die, just cremate me, put me a little bit with my son. The rest of it, just put me, take me to Hawaii and put me in the ocean. You know? So all, I'll never ever get to visit him my whole life. Just right. take me there. You know? And will you guys get to go? And- <laughs> yeah, you guys will get to go, but I won't. You, you can just take my ashes there and just leave me there. You know. As morbid as that is, I mean, it's always a good plan. So. Yeah. I mean, if that's the only way I get to visit, at least I can, you know, I'll get to go. <laughs> exactly. So, and you said, I know your daughter struggled and you, know, you said uh, two times since then she's uh, attempted to take herself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she almost went to the darkness. Have, have you uh, received any treatment or have you been uh, trying to take care of you? I know you're trying to make sure everyone else is all right. Are you taking care of you? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what everybody keeps asking me. I've had that a lot lately. Everybody keeps asking, are you taking care of yourself? And honestly, it's a yes and no question answer to it. You know, I'm, I've am i always been the person to hold it together. Let's take care of this one. I got to do this. You know, this one's got to go here. This one's got to go there. You know, um, for me, a lot of my healing is we do a lot of military events in, in honor of Jackson. You know, we we do a lot of charity events in honor of Jackson. And to me, that keeps me close to him. And I know I'm honoring him. So it helps me heal. It helps me knowing that his memory is staying alive. And he's not being forgotten. Um, so that, to me, that's a little bit of my healing process. Um, and then, you know, I'm just like any other person with depression and PTSD. You know, I have my moments that I just... I, I shut down, you know, it's hard to get out of bed. Like Memorial day, it, it was hard Memorial day. I just shut down. It's like, I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to get up out of the bed, you know? And when I get in those modes, my family can usually tell, you know? And so then it's, you know, what can we do? You know, let us help you kind of thing. Right. Help us. help you. Yeah. And that's un- understandable. The stages of grief are different for everybody. Right. Roller coaster goes. There's no, some, I guess there might be someone out there that tell you there's a timeline, but there's not. No, timeline. there's not. And they can go on to the day you, you take that last step on this earth. And you can right. Be grieving for Jackson. And that's perfectly okay because that, he was your whole, he was your life. So. Yes, he sure the heck was. He, uh, when he, when he left, it, he left a hole in all of our lives. A big one. I can tell just by talking to you here tonight. Again, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the story of him. What would be one thing you think uh, he would want the world to know and keep doing in his honor? Act of kindness. Just act of kindness. You know, find something to make somebody smile. He was all about helping others and want helping them smile and get through their darkness. You know, do an act of kindness, whether it's just lending an ear or opening up a door. You know, his biggest thing was when he saw a veteran, he stopped. He shook their hand. He told them, thank you. You know, they don't get that enough. They really don't. Um, I said, well, said thank you to a, a veteran the other day, and he just broke out crying. He's like, you're the first person in two years to ever tell me thank you. And I'm like, I am so sorry. You should hear them more, you know. And I sat with him for a good 30 minutes and just talked to him and heard a story, you know, what he was going through. Um, it's things like that, that people take for granted, you know, our biggest thing is again, we do charity events. You know, we have a scholarship fund at our local high school that he Jackson graduated from that we give out scholarships every year to uh, in honor of Jackson. Um, we raise money for that, that scholarship, um, through pool tournaments, golf tournaments. Um, we sell memorial stuff in honor of Jackson for that scholarship as well. We also do toy drives, you know, school supply drives, anything that we can help in the community to help others in honor of Jackson. And to us, that's our way of carrying on his his work of helping others. Outstanding. And uh, I've got a couple comments here for you. 
uh, George, he jumped in. He's remembered. <laughs> your family is always in Katrina in his prayers. So thanks, George, for jumping on. And uh, tell Katrina we said hello, and uh, we'll get to see you guys soon, hopefully. And my brother, he, he said the same thing I said. You still need to take care of you. <laughs> and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying. I really, really am. I'm trying to get better. <laughs> it's a consensus thing. And so you know people care, and that's the first thing that most people will say. How are you? I'm sure you get tired of hearing it, but you're not gonna you're not gonna stop hearing it as long as people care about you. You know what though? And honestly, in the last two years, it's only been to hear recently that I've got a lot. How are you doing? You know, are you taking care of yourself? And we're going on four years, but that's only because I'm finally taking the time, I guess, to listen to what they're saying or go. asking. <laughs> so I and I, I I just told my husband the other day, I said, we have a trip planned at the end of July. It's a grief camp that we're going to for a week. Um, just me, my husband, and my daughter. And one the lady asked me, she's like, well, do you would you rather do a spa day or a night with the family? I, and my husband goes, no, you're doing the spa. <laughs> you know, we'll go play a game or something. You go to the spa. <laughs> See, there you go. He knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I just looked at him like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you need you time, too. Definitely. So. And so you got to get used to people, people telling you to take care of you. And it's going to happen as long as you follow the Misfit Nation. You'll hear the same stuff there. Same stuff from us all the time. We always tell people to take care of them and then take care of others. Kind of like on the airplane. Put your mask on first, then the kids. Yeah. You're, you're useless without your mask on. So take care, take care of you so you can take care of everybody else. Right. Yeah. And I noticed last night, you know, when we were at the Cardinals game, Cardinals game with the Taps, Somebody asked my husband a question why all of our group was there. And he he don't do the talking. I do the talking and everything. Every event we go to, I do the talking. And he was he he didn't know what to say. And he spoke up and he goes, I don't do the talking. She does. So I ask her, you know, and I'm like, great. You know, I was trying to be quiet for a change. You know? He gets beat at home. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's extra dishes you gotta put in the dishwasher or something. <laughs> Uh, definitely keep in touch with us here at the Misfit Nation. Um, I sure once, once I rebrand here and I'll come back to you, I'll have, I have a contact I want to give you so you can uh, get some stuff done as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for having thank me you. down here and let me tell Jackson's story. Thank you for sharing. It. And uh, remember, as long as we say uh, Specialist Jackson Johnson's name, he'll, he will not go away. His memory will be here forever. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 